Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to the Festivus edition of the Testudo Times Podcast, which is episode 26. I remembered what number of the show this is now. That's good. I'm out of school. I'm done with finals. My brain's been turned off. I'm glad I could remember a number at all. Dave, uh, what airing of grievances would you like to have on this podcast right now? You're getting your chance. Um, my airing of grievances would be uh, traffic in the D.C. metropolitan area and the inability of the D.C. metro to get anywhere on time at any point. That is a good one. Uh, I've had my problems with the Metro. Ahem. Single tracking on a Sunday morning meaning you're waiting 45 minutes for a Green Line train. That's pretty bad. Fun times. Oh, it's the worst. People actually tell me that, you know, other public transport is worse. I'm like, no, you've never been on the Metro when you actually need to get somewhere. Anyway, that's a good airing of grievances. This is a rare occasion because we have somebody new on the show. He's been writing for the site for a while and is another person who I've had classes with. That's probably bad news for him, which means I, uh, he, he's in a lot of trouble. Hi, Ryan Connors. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. What grievances would you like to air on the podcast? I mean, I'm feeling pretty good, you know? Done with finals also. I guess my one grievance is that I'm back home in Boston, and there's no snow at all. It's kind of That's a grievance? Yeah. That I mean, I might as well. I, I want the snow. I'm only here for a couple weeks. I'm fine with the snow being here while I'm here. <laughs> I, I don't get that at all. I don't want snow. I don't want snow anywhere near me when I'm at home because then I have to do work and manual labor. That's a problem. Manual labor is awful. Maybe you don't have to deal with that problem. No, we got we got a snowblower. It's pretty. I don't know. We didn't. Easy. We didn't. No, the snowblower I have is my arms. My arms are kind of weak. Anyway, so there will be more festivist jokes on this podcast. Sorry, you're gonna have to deal with it. Anyway, we got a couple things to get to, mainly football related on this show. But first, Dave. To talk about the one basketball game we have, which was the Princeton game, there isn't a lot to talk about other than these three things. First of all, you'll remember our conversation about Jake Lehman on the last show. It was a very in-depth conversation. He probably goes out and has his best game of the season because commentators curse. Yeah, Jake had a, a great game, especially in the first half. Um, it was great to see. Um, I think hopefully he can do that more consistently. I think... Maryland benefits this year because they have so many players that can have a good game and not have to worry about other players having a really dominant game. Whereas last year they had to rely more on Trimble and Des Wells to do that. This year they have 
you know, a handful of players who can really take over that kind of role. What was the uh, catalyst for that finally happening? Princeton deciding not to play really defense or not really challenging him like other teams would? Yeah, I mean, I think he had a great um, matchup opportunity. Um, they were getting him the ball. It, it, it's it's hard to tell sometimes. You know, sometimes guys, they get going early, and then, you know, you're going to exploit, you know, someone having a hot hand and ability to um, make shots. So I, I may mean, really think it was – I don't think you can look too much into it. I think – it's good to see Jake having a great game like that and taking advantage of opportunities like that, and hopefully they can continue to do that moving forward. Somebody who had a better game, though, and this would be a huge development in Maryland season if this continued. Jalen Brantley had the surpri- most surprising 15 and the quickest 15 points we've seen really from any Maryland player all season, aside from Melo Trimble shooting the lights out. How big of a development is that if Jalen Brantley can, say, on a semi-consistent basis, chip in 7 to 10 points from the bench? I mean, it'd be huge for Maryland. It's He's been on the court some this year, but he really has not been any kind of offensive threat. And the things he was doing against Princeton were just things, personally, I have not seen him do since he got to College Park. I mean, he was making moves, dribble drives, getting to the hoop. I mean, he was just doing so much. And he, he had a confidence in his shooting that I just have not seen so far this year. Um, I don't know, if, Ryan, if you agree with that or not, but I just haven't seen him have that much confidence in his shot when he's been out on the court like that. And I think that was a huge thing to see. And it'll be great if he can continue doing that because it's just going to give them another weapon and let them rest Trimble and even Suleiman some. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree that he was he was way more assertive than I've seen him in the past, especially he had one, he had one of those layups that looked exactly like, you know, all the layups Mello does, like some double clutch, like, layup that Mello always makes and Brantley did it like a perfect impression of one of those and I think like seven to ten points off the bench would be like a pretty outrageous thing to expect from Brantley kind of but like he's like he's not going to be there every night but if he can be a little bit more consistent and like on nights when they need him chip in that like seven to ten points that would be a huge thing especially in a backcourt that doesn't have Deion Wiley yeah without Deion Wiley the we, we talked about it on the show that before, you just didn't expect the, uh, excuse me, Jalen Brantley to score. And because of that, the way teams would attack whoever's still left, whether it be Suleiman or Trimble, would be very different. And now that Jalen Brantley can have some confidence and he can score, that's going to leave open other players, And which means Maryland's going to have five players on the court that could score pretty much at a consistent basis, which is terrifying for other teams, even considering you know the guys who you would think would score, like the Trimbles and the Suleimans and Carters, etc., could all score in bunches. That's a terrifying thought for opposing defenses. Yeah, I mean, I think the the commentators were talking about that during the broadcast. Um, Maryland's got a really deep front court, and if Maryland all of a sudden has a deeper back court, that just makes them an even, you know, more threatening team as we get later into the season and into the Big Ten and eventually NCAA tournament. And I think that's a huge asset to have for a team, especially when you get into these tournaments when you're playing on consecutive days or playing every other day. I mean, it's really wearing on you, especially as you get towards the end of a season. And if Maryland can add someone else that can be out there and playing 10 to 12 minutes and scoring somewhere between 5 and 10 points, I mean, that's just a huge, huge asset to them. That's critical. Oh, go on, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say one thing, like – Brantley doesn't necessarily need to be a, like, 
contributing points to be valuable. Like, you know, last year Mello was the only point guard option, and definitely, like Dave just said, at you know, when you get to the end of the season, it'll be really valuable to have someone who can just be out on the court and like give Mello a rest, so that you know, going into into the like NCAA tournament, he's still fresh. That'll be, I think, that's really the biggest thing that Brantley could provide. Yeah. I, I think also just the fact that Brantley has shown that he can do this against a quality opponent now, and that really makes him even more valuable. Like like you were saying, Ryan, he doesn't have to score, but he has shown now that he can score, and if he can do that on a consistent basis, then he doesn't necessarily have to score because it's going to open stuff up for everyone else out there on the court with him. We're going to talk, about, we're going to talk more about the Big Ten at a future point, maybe next week, but Denzel Valentine's injury, Michigan last night went to overtime with Oakland. Not the Oakland Raiders, not Oakland, California, Oakland, Michigan. So the Big Ten's starting to open up a bit. And Maryland, if they get Jalen Brantley, I can't think of a weakness of this team, a discernible weakness, which is terrifying for everybody else playing Maryland, terrifying for the rest of the Big Ten. Last thing we should mention before we move on to the myriad of football topics we need to get to, game was in Baltimore, first time in 16, 17 years that happens. Dave, you're much more in tune with this than I would be, or Ryan would be, since we're not from the area. Uh, it's, it, it felt like a big deal. Royal Farms Arena in the, in the Great Barn, but seeing Maryland play there was important. There was a story done, I think, by uh, Josh Stern of 24-7 about how there's the first time in a lot of years that there's no Baltimore players on Maryland, and that's a bit surprising when you consider how important Baltimore has been for Maryland football and basketball in the past. But playing a consistent game there every year, do you think that's something that the Terps have to do? I definitely think it's something they have to do. It's something that Turgeon has wanted to do since he got here. Um, before this year, Maryland last played there in 1999, but they were playing in Baltimore on a very consistent basis. When I was younger and um, into my, I guess it would have been my sophomore year of high school, sophomore, junior year, um, we used to go down to Royal Farms and you could see Maryland there at least once a year. And there, I mean, there's so many Maryland fans up in that region and Baltimore doesn't have an NBA team. So a lot of people treat Maryland like Baltimore's NBA team in a lot of ways. So I, I think being there on a consistent basis is really important. Uh, I think it was Turgeon said it was hard for them to get a game scheduled there because they wanted a game against a quality opponent. Um, so hopefully they can continue to, to do that moving forward. I think it's, it's an important thing. It's an important recruiting tool, um, but it's also just another way to get more fans engaged who can't necessarily make it all the way down to College Park for games, especially on like a weeknight. The most interesting thing I was uh, listening to when I was watching the game on TV, they did say, the BTN commentators did say it was an older crowd. It wasn't really a student crowd, but I, I guess for one game a year, that's not going to be a major issue, is it? Because it de it's definitely older Maryland fans, Baltimore Maryland fans. Students are out of school by that point. It's going to be tough to get them up there for a game like that. So, I mean, I guess that's different. I saw there was a student I follow on Twitter that was complaining about that. And the media was sitting directly behind what student section there was. And the students were told to sit down, which I found uh, mildly entertaining as a member of the media and a student. So I can see how that would work both ways. Yeah, Very I funny think at that barn. If they can do it, if they can get a game there that's during winter break when... A lot of students aren't in College Park anyway. I think that is a really um, – it makes it more – the move more valuable uh, because you don't have to worry about students getting up to Baltimore. But, I mean, Maryland has made a commitment to 
expand their presence in in that city. And they've been doing it with football, moving games to MNC Bank because they have a higher seating capacity there. Um, and, and doing this for basketball, you're, you're sacrificing that seating capacity because Royal Farms holds 12,000 compared to 17,950 for Xfinity Center. But you're, you're getting more people engaged and, and continuing to build that Maryland brand in Maryland's largest city. Speaking of football, let's talk about it because a lot of news has happened in the last nine days. Particularly, they hired an offensive coordinator. Now, Alex did a great write-up on Walt Bell, so you didn't have to watch Arkansas State games, though probably you should have because fun belt. But many of us don't know anything about Arkansas State, let alone their mascot. I know they're the Red Wolves, but that only comes from incessant OCD sports stuff that I have. Uh, Ryan, you've taken a look now at Walt Bell and his offenses a bit. What is Maryland going to get with him as their offensive coordinator? Well, I will admit much of my looking at Walt Bell has been from Alex, but the biggest thing I've seen is just like, you know how Kevin Anderson said, you know, he wanted like up-tempo offense, like open field. That's exactly what you're going to get with Walt Bell. Like a lot of screen passes, a lot of like, I don't know, everything's fast paced. And that's exactly what, I don't know, what Kevin Anderson wanted. Um, I, it's kind of unclear if Maryland has the personnel to operate such an offense as of now with their current quarterback situation very much up in the air. But uh, if you're looking for exciting, I think that's that's what we got with Walt Bell. Dave, when we talked about the offensive coordinator search last time out or whenever we talked about it, it was very quiet for a while. This kind of came out of the blue, but I think this kind of fits the profile of what Maryland was after. Getting those sort of higher, bigger names is going to be tough. And getting somebody who is younger, who's moving up from group of five to power five, fits the profile as young, really I think is a pretty prescient and smart hire by Maryland. No, I definitely think it is. I think Durkin did a great job evaluating everyone out there, and I think he got a really good person that fits that bill. I think he's a young guy. Um, he, he has a dynamic offense. Maryland I think is going to be – uh, a fast-paced offense next year um, and hopefully scoring a lot of points. The thing that's really interesting with me um, when I think about Walt Bell is I really wish he was here when Stefan Diggs was still here because I feel like Diggs would have excelled oh, would have in this. Everybody alive. And it just wide receivers reminds me of how, how inefficient Maryland was in using him um, on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, that's terrifying. That's the first time I had thought of that, and now I'm very sad. Thanks, Dave, for making me sad. So there's an error of grievance. Go after Dave Tucker for making me sad on Festivus. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not in uh, the Maryland area, the DMV area, so I can't uh, do a feat of strength on Dave Tucker's uh, <laughs> spine right now, which I'd like to do. Uh, the interesting thing about this entire search, I would say – was, again, this was a very quiet search, Dave. And it's kind of surprising because everything else was kind of public. But I think they I, they coordinated this well. I think they did their business very well. With the coaching search being kind of botched, everything else with what DJ Durkin has done has been very, very impressive. As on the whole, what we've seen from him building his staff. I think he's done an incredible job building his staff, to be quite honest. Um, I know some people were disappointed with his hire. Um, I don't know, and we'll probably never know exactly everything that went into that coaching search, but um, 
hiring Durkin, I think, is was a great move for Maryland. I think it's going to hopefully pay dividends for them. Um, and then Durkin, once he's gotten here, he has just done a incredible job bringing in extremely talented people. Um, he surrounded himself with coaches that have a lot of head coaching experience. Um, he did that again with one of his most recent hires. Um, we will get to that. Pete Lumbo. Um, so, and he's also brought in guys that are younger who are on the rise as well. So they're really putting together a, a really dynamic staff that's got, as I said, guys with experience, guys that are young and on the rise. And I really think, you know, it could come together and be a fantastic staff for Maryland. I think it was Dan Walker who wrote something in USA Today, which kind of slated Maryland for how they went about their head coaching search and being scattergunned and thinking that they're bigger than they are. I think DJ Dirk, hiring DJ Durkin, at least to me, admits that, well, we kind of know where our place is now. We have Under Armour's money. We have this now this megaphone. But we have to be a little bit more realistic. And I think this is the route, Ryan, that Maryland should take. And with what DJ Durkin has done in hiring his assistant coaches, he's surrounding himself with youth and experience. I think we haven't seen any football actually being played yet, but he's been around for a month. I think he's doing a pretty good job in righting some wrongs that Maryland may have had in the search and maybe proving some Maryland fans who are doubting him wrong so far. Yeah, I mean, I think so. There was, like, there was some skepticism when he was hired. He certainly wasn't like a huge sexy hire or anything like that. But I, just, I definitely agree the, like, the good mix of youth and experience is, I don't know, it's exciting. Like, that's kind of the fun thing. Like, everything he's done, all these hires have been like, exciting, which is just something you didn't get under Randy Edsel. Well, Randy Edsel was the antithesis of exciting. Did you read that interview he did at a Connecticut newspaper about how he would never change his ways or something to that elk? Oh, uh, we lost a great one. And by great one, I mean terrible one. Anyway. Uh, well, I don't know if you remember, Matt, but when Edsel was hired, I wasn't also, a Maryland fan then. So. He also wanted to have a dynamic and fast offense. And his and solution to that was hiring cuts. Gary Croton uh. initially. <laughs> And Maryland was going to run, you know, the super Single high wing. Well, they were going to they wanted to run a offense like Oregon's that was super up pace. And they had Danny O'Brien, who was coming off of his um, rookie of the year in the ACC, had a fantastic freshman year. And then, you know, things just went south quickly for Etzel during his first year here. But um he wanted to have a nice dynamic offense. I think this is going to be a better fit for Maryland and for their personnel here. Um, so anything's going to be better than Edsel's first year. Let's think about the personnel that Maryland does have. We're not talking about some of the recruits we know. Tino Ellis has said he has reaffirmed his commitment to Maryland as Maryland has lost some commitments, gained others. We'll get to that in a second. But when you just look at the raw personnel that's here right now with the quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins aside, Maryland's deepest position, you could argue, is possibly the wide receivers. They're still very deep at that, at this, at the outside, at the skill receiver position, and the wide receivers are going to be very important in this offense. So early on, you're putting the wide receivers in a position to succeed. And if Perry Hills is starting, we know he doesn't have the arm strength. Screens work, and you have guys like DJ Moore, Tino Ellis, who if he plays, you know there are receivers that can make something happen by themselves. I think it's a decent fit, at least initially better than we might be expecting. No, I think it can definitely be a, a very good fit for Maryland. Um, like you said, getting getting the ball to receivers and making them 
make plays. I think with the receivers Maryland has, Maryland has a pretty talented wide receiver core. And if you're making throws like a lot of the throws that are necessary and what Bell ran um, this past season, you know, you're, you're giving quarterbacks the opportunity to make passes that are easy to make and are not very at a very high risk to be intercepted, which was obviously Maryland's probably single biggest problem this past season. So, you know, when you have a dynamic receiving core, have a quarterback that can just get them the ball in space and let them go, I think that that could be really good. And when you also look at um, uh, Bell's offense, just think about, too, that the Alex did a great job talking about the interior linemen and, and the roles that they have to play as um, – and the run game is pullers and thinking about Maryland's run game and the size of the offensive line that they have now, which has really come together towards the end of the year. I think that's going to be another, another great fit for Maryland next season. The interesting thing, Ryan, and after this, we'll move on to some of the other hires is there aren't many teams running up tempo in the big 10, the way that Maryland's going to try to run it. Certainly Penn state doesn't run it. Rutgers may try to, but they're Rutgers. So that won't go very well. Michigan doesn't run it. Ohio State can run it. But as we saw last year, they were kind of averse to running it. Not a lot of the teams in the Big West are going to run it. Can you imagine Iowa running a Walt Bell up-tempo style offense? Would the world <laughs> explode in that situation? Uh, if Iowa ran an up-tempo offense? Yes. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. Could. Uh, Dave, I think we should all buy spam if that happens. Regardless... <laughs> I don't think a lot of teams in the Big Ten are going to run that kind of offense, so it's going to be a bit of a surprise for defenses, especially initially, to see that sort of up-tempo offense, which I think next year, with Maryland's personnel deficiencies, and they're going to have some, Ryan, I think that actually benefits the Terps next season. Uh, I mean, it could. I mean, I don't know about the surprise element generally, because I think if we're talking about the up-tempo offense, then that's obviously what the It's one thing it's different to talk about it than to game plan for it when you haven't seen it before. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, one thing I do think will be really helpful in, in that up-tempo offense is going to be just speed. Like, Maryland's wide receivers have speed. Like, Tavon Jacobs has speed. Ty Johnson, Maryland's freshman running back from last year, didn't see a whole lot of him, but when you did see him, he was fast. Jake Funk is fast. They're going to have, I don't know, I like how I like how much the speed is going to play an element, hopefully, next season. All right, let's now move on to Pete Lembo. This happened, I think, yesterday or a couple yeah. of days ago when we were recording this. He was the former head coach at Ball State, so that's now three former head coaches on his staff. Uh, Lock, uh, Mike London, almost said Mike Loxley. Technically four if Loxley stays. London, Schaefer now, and Lembo. What does Lembo, he's going to coach special teams, assistant head coach. It's a bit surprising, but Ball State doesn't have money. Uh, so what does this hire mean, this individual hire mean, Ryan? Uh, what does it mean? Um, I, I don't know. I love the experience that having another head coach brings on the staff. I think special teams is very important because, as you noticed, Maryland special teams were not good last year, partially probably because they didn't have a specific special teams coach. Um, I don't know. I just like the – I like what the experience brings, and I think there's nothing – I couldn't find anything bad to say about this hire. Dave, what do you think? I, I agree with what um, Ryan was saying, that he's got great experience. Um, he had a couple good years at um, – Ball State before uh, I think they went nine and four and ten and three before they've struggled the past two seasons. Um, so you know I think he's another guy that can um, have that head coaching experience on your staff, which is important. 
Um, he's shown that he can win at other places, which is important too. Um, I just I think it's another great hire by uh, Durkin. We have to now talk about the Loxley question. It's an important one. We haven't heard word anything from Loxley or from the school on Loxley. We did hear that DJ Durkin offered him a job, according to Roman Stubbs, uh, in an unspecified capacity. Now that they've hired an offensive coordinator, a little different than Loxley, do you think Mike Loxley is on the staff next year? Because if he is, that's more head coaching experience for whatever it's worth and recruiting acumen. Uh, we've talked about it before, but now that we're seeing the staff really start to coalesce, Dave, do you think Mike Loxley's back next season? I, t- I don't know. I mean, the fact it's, that it's, we're still talking about this on December 23rd is a very, very interesting aspect of this whole building a coaching staff thing. Yeah, I mean, I really think the, the ball is in Loxley's court right now. It's whether he wants to be on the staff or not. I think it's going to be in a capacity that's um, some sort of um, position coaching role. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a co-offensive coordinator. I know that's something that we've talked about in the past. Um, so it, it's really whether he wants to do that. Maybe he's looking to see if he can get a job somewhere else before he lets Durkin know whether he wants to stay or not. I don't know. Uh, it's it's interesting to me that continued to help Maryland with recruiting somewhat. We've seen him on the recruiting trail since Durkin has been hired. Um, but now we're just all kind of sitting back and waiting to see whether he's going to be here. And I mean, if you put a gun to my head and ask me, I would say I, I don't think he'll be back next year because if he was, he would have already committed to returning. That, but I would not be surprised either way if he was here or not here. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't think he's going to come back. I think it's just he'd have to the, – the coaching staff is filling up so quickly. You know, he's not going to get that associate or assistant head coaching thing. I don't think he'd – I don't know if he'd be willing to accept a demotion on the team essentially. And, yeah, I think exactly. If you – if he really wanted to come back, I kind of think he would have just said he's coming back already. But also, like, the recruiting stuff, that's like – that's really – that really intrigues me that he's been on the recruiting trail with Durkin. I'd really love to know what they're actually saying at those meetings. But, uh, yeah, I have pretty much the same opinion as Dave. You know, I think I don't think he'll be back, but really, really, who knows? I, there's a lot of interesting recruiting things happening at the moment. Uh, Richard Merritt, who is a guard, big pickup. That was like five days ago. Uh, I remember posting that in our little chat, and Pete was a bit surprised. Uh, that's DJ Durkin's first public commit, and he's a four-star guy. I think he's from Washington, D.C. I don't remember what school it was. I think, I think it was Friendship Heights. Anyway... That's a big deal. We've seen some decommits, as you're naturally going to see when there's a new coach coming in. But if your first recruit that you you got to commit, excuse me, is a four-star offensive lineman from D.C. that was probably going to go to Alabama, big deal for T.J. Durkin. That's a way to make a first impression. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great, great indication of um, both Durkin's ability to recruit and a compliment to the staff that he's brought in already. I think both of those things are um, things that you can point to about how significant that commitment was. There's a, a lot of other news, but you see who Maryland is offering. A lot of guys from Florida. I remember talking about that on our DJ Durkin evaluation show, which was a couple weeks ago. You can still listen to it. It's not outdated yet. Uh, and how he was going to recruit Florida quite a bit. He did so for Michigan. Obviously, he had to for Florida. Uh, so that's a really interesting thing. You can see a lot more Florida guys on 
Maryland, especially after, you know, they didn't have to, they know now don't have to recruit Florida as heavily because they're now in the Big Ten. So it's an interesting aspect of this recruiting thing. I do want to put out a conspiracy theory, not really a conspiracy theory, but something to mention. It was reported a while back that Will Greer is going to transfer from Florida. I want to mention who recruited Will Greer at Florida. You probably know who he is. I'm not saying, just saying. Going to throw it out there. Tell me why I'm wrong. Somebody oh. tell me why I'm wrong, or else I have to do more editing. And I don't want to have to edit this podcast. More Dave, Eric and Grievances. Dave, you want to take this one? No, you go right ahead. <laughs> it's hot hey. potato. Come on, oh. somebody do it. Somebody take this question, show their balls on the air. Come on, do it. Somebody, please. Oh, man. Chickens, all of you. Pretty much. I mean, I, it's Maryland. I just don't think – I just don't see a big guy like that going to Maryland. I see him transferring to another big program. There's going to be restrictions on it because you know how petty these schools get. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not saying just saying. No, I feel you. I mean, well, what kind of restrictions can they put on besides – They can say, you know, no, you can't go to an SEC school. You can't go to any school on Florida schedule, which would throw out Florida State. Uh, okay. No, I mean I know Michigan, like they, I think they play Michigan next season, so there's that too. I know that with the A and M, all of the transfers from A and M, that's what they're doing, and we've right. seen that before. So I'm saying, Maryland and Florida are not going to play unless they play in a bowl game. DJ Durkin recruited Will Greer. This is a fact. You can find it on the internet. Why not? It's not going to actually happen, but it's something that somebody <laughs> is going to connect the dots. Other than me, somebody else probably has. Right. Sure. I mean, anything's possible, but I, I, I don't. I'd be shocked if it happened. But um, you know, that there, it's not like it's as far-fetched as um, it could be. If that makes sense. It's. Still, I don't think it's ridiculously far-fetched. Anyway, uh, I would again feats of strength. That would be a hell of a feat of strength if DJ Durkin could get Will Greer to come here. He'd be suspended for half the season, obviously. But hey. Half a season of Will Greer is better than a full season of whatever the hell Maryland's had in the past, right? Right? This might Probably. be the this might be the <laughs> this might be the sign to end the show because you're all running out of things to say. <laughs> More airings of grievances. Actually, you should donate to the Human Fund in honor of Testudo Times, so we can get better guests on this podcast who like to talk. <laughs> sure, Ryan. Uh, this was your first show, aside from the whole not talking thing when I've told you to talk. Uh, did you did you do did you, how'd you like it? Uh, no, it was fun. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Never been on a podcast before. It's it. it's an interesting experience. Just ask all of our friends. Ask Matt Allentuck, who has still been befuddled by Skype. Another airing of grievances <laughs> from this year. Uh, Dave, you've been on this show a lot now. Uh, I have. I don't think there I don't think there's much else to say anymore with you. <laughs> Good time uh, as always, man. Uh, it's fun. All right, we should have one more show before. The year ends where we'll probably and hopefully preview Big Ten basketball season. And unless something happens with Maryland football that I would be shocked if anything happens coming up, uh, we'll talk about that as well. Have a Merry Christmas if you're celebrating. If you don't celebrate Christmas like me, order the Kung Pao Chicken. It's a good idea. Kung Pao Chicken is always effective. That's what I'm going to be doing. And if you're celebrating Hanukkah, too bad. We've run out of gelt. We will see you guys eventually. One more show this year, I hope. And, of course, go Terps.